0: Good morning, gentlemen. Hope everyone's well. We're going to continue the story of the Jewish people getting ready for the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. So, we discussed yesterday how Moshe went up. The Jews came to the mountain mountain of Sinai on the first day of Sivan. On the second day, Moshe went up the mountain. And that's when God told Moshe, I'm going to choose the Jewish people to be for me as a uh, chosen, cherished nation, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, you will be my chosen people. As we discussed yesterday, there's two aspects to this relationship. There's the technical contract relationship, which is about us doing what God told us to do. And that's expressed in the preparations we're going to be discussing today, how the Jews prepare themselves contractually for the giving of the Torah. And then there's a covenant of this relationship that will be discussed in next week's parsha. So when Moshe comes down the mountain on the end of the second day, he tells the Jewish people that God is ready to give you the Torah. And the nation answer and they say, Call Ashadibar Hashem Na'ase. Whatever God will tell us to do, we shall do it. This is not the famous Na'asa Nishma, which we already discussed at length yesterday. That will be in next week's parsha. They say we will do it. And Moshe goes back on the next morning, on the morning of the third day of Sivan, to tell God. The Jews are ready to accept and to do the Torah that you will give them. So Hashem says to Moshe, this is now the third day of Sivan, I will come to you, in the, in the thickness of the cloud, I will appear to you, to Moshe, you'll go up the mountain, and I will come to you in the cloud, so the Jewish people will not see me directly, but they will hear as I speak to you, and then they will believe both in you and in the prophets that will succeed you, Forever and ever they will come to trust in the word of Hashem by seeing how I appear in the cloud to you. So at the beginning, this was God's plan, not to give the Torah directly to the Jewish people, to give it to Moshe, and then Moshe would give it to the Jewish people. When Moshe goes down the mountain on the third day, he comes back to the Jewish people, and Moshe says the word of Hashem to the nation, that God plans to give me the Torah in front of your presence, and then I will give it to you, what did the nation say? No, thank you. We want to see the king ourselves. Here is to the tremendous credit of the Jewish people. See, they don't only mess up. There are times the Jews do the right thing. And here unlike we discussed in the beginning of the Parsha, about the judges, when the Jewish people said, yeah, we'll take judges. We'll take people that we can bribe and manipulate and, and uh, make them crazy and coerce them to do what we want. And really the have said, we, we would rather Moshe Rabbeinu. But here they could speak correctly. And they say to Moshe, tell God no thank you. We don't want that he should give the Torah to an intermediary, and that we should have to listen to the intermediary. We want God to reveal himself directly to us. So, Moshe goes back up the mountain now on the next day. So now it's the fourth day of Sivan. Moshe goes back up the mountain, and Moshe says to God the words of the nation. They want to see you. And Hashem is obviously very happy with us. And Hashem says, if so, go to the nation, and you shall sanctify them. Today and tomorrow, they should, walk, they, how should they sanctify themselves? They should separate from marital relations, because when a person is intimate, it creates a mission of seed that can create ritual impurity. They should separate today and tomorrow, because even after they separate, sometimes the seed can come back out, and they can re, even after they go to the mitzvah, can make them impure. They should go to the mikveh to purify themselves. All their clothing that they were wearing should be washed, because the clothing of a person wears can also become ritually impure. So all that needs to also be taken to the mikvah to become purified. They shall separate today and tomorrow to be purified. And they should be prepared, yom hashlishi, for the third day, because, yom hashlishi, on the third day, God will come down, In the front of the eyes of the whole nation, not just in the thick of the cloud, as was mentioned before, but right before before the eyes of the entire nation, and they will see the mountain of Sinai. By the way, the way this verse is written, it says that God will appear, to the eyes of the entire nation, which means that every single Jew was healed at that moment. We know that every Jew was healed at the giving of the Torah. Any Jew that couldn't see that was blind was at that moment, their vision was restored. And the Jew that was mute, or deaf, was able to hear, was able to speak, to say, Naasa Adishma. all Jews were healed from all of their illnesses for the giving of the Torah. In addition, says God to Moshe, sorry to the Jewish people purifying themselves by washing their clothing, by going to the mikvah, by separating from their spouses. In addition, when I'm going to reveal myself on the mountain, The very fact that my presence will be on the mountain, even though it will only be temporarily, will create a tremendous holiness in the actual mountain. And therefore, since I'll be in the mountain, they should not come close to the mountain. They must make a boundary around the entire mountain to separate it and make an announcement saying, they should make an announcement saying, whoever will even come close to touch the mountain will surely die and uh, there'll be such a great revelation of God that they won't be able to handle this revelation and therefore in order to prevent someone from accidentally getting too excited you know what happens if something exciting is happening you want to go close, you want to see what's happening to prevent someone from accidentally getting too close to the mountain at the moment of the, the divine revelation and being destroyed by the revelation put up a mountain around oh, put up a fence, sorry around the mountain to ensure that no... Ma- Person or no animal should go up to the mountain, even an animal. And then, after you hear the ram's horn, sounding the long shofar blast of the shofar, the tekiah, then you will know that God has gone back up to to the heavens. The mountain has reverted back to its natural state. And then, once again, people will be allowed to go back up the mountain as regular. This shows you, by the way, something very important about how we create holiness in the world. The mountain of Sinai had the greatest divine revelation. God was literally, openly revealed on Mount Sinai. Today that mountain is not holy. Today, first of all, we're not even 100% sure where it is. But even, let's just say we do know. There's opinions, there's theories. Let's say we do know which mountain is Mount Sinai. Any single person can go there, a Jew, a non-Jew, ritually pure, not pure. You don't need to be in the state of purity to go up to Mount Sinai. Temple Mount, which in some ways did not have the same kind of revelation that Mount Sinai had. Today, Temple Mount still, even though the temple is destroyed, and there's still no holy, there's still no revealed holiness on Temple Mount today. The temple is absolutely holy. A Jew is not allowed to walk on the Temple Mount. For sure, there's some parts that you can't walk in, in the state of purity. The rest of it, even in the, even uh, um, you have to go to the mikveh to go on, even to go up, you have to be in the state of purity, etc. And even then, only part of the mountain. Part of it you're not allowed. No Jews allowed to go to today. So when? Why is there a difference? Why is Mount Sinai, which had a greater divine revelation, the Torah tells us that once the shofar blows, you're allowed to go back up the yeah. mountain? Because the uh, Shekhinah of Hashem is dwelling upon the mountain of Mount Sinai, but not the... Yeah, but why? The question it's is why? Why, why would the yeah. God not still there. be on Mount Sinai? There will be a third base of That's true as well. There will be a third base of Middash, but it's not there now. Yeah. The question is not why Temple Mount is holy. Right. I'm not talking about Temple Mount now. I'm just using it as a contrast. My question is, why is the Torah telling us that you can go back up to the Mount Sinai? Why does Mount Sinai not remain holy after after the giving of the Ten Commandments? That's the question. Where, that's what we're learning about today. I'll take shot in the it? dark. The holiness not just resides in the mountain. The holiness resides in the presentation of the Torah. Well, okay, so it's in the Torah, but why does the mountain... If the mountain was holy when God was revealed, then why did that holiness not remain? Because the Torah So, okay, I mean, that doesn't... But Okay. Yeah. It's, it's only because of the Jewish people. We're still, and we're still Jewish people. Yeah. And we're still the Jewish people. And the point, in, in, in short, is that when holiness is not created from below, when we don't work to create holiness, easy come, easy go. When we work to make a place of holiness for God... I'm going to use the context of the base of Mikdush, which is the greatest example. Well, we are the ones who build the home for God since we worked for it. Although it's true that God was not as revealed in the temple as He was on Mount Sinai. We didn't have that divine revelation of the, you know, the fire and the thunder and the lightning. But because we worked to make the temple Mount Holy, what we worked to create remains. But the giving of the Torah Mount Sinai, the Jews didn't work to make the mountain Holy. God was purely an above-down-below kind of revelation. God was revealed to us, and because God was revealed to us, so it came easy, and therefore it didn't last. The moment God was there was holy. The moment God left, the holiness also left as well. But the revelation still exists in the Jews. The Torah, of course, the Torah exists with us. We have God's Shekhinah within us, etc. The point is that when you know some of the people are like, like looking for external inspiration. External inspiration is nice. You go and you walk into a shul, you feel holy, you hear a speech, that sounds you know I'm inspired. If it's just someone else inspiring you and you don't work to, to make a vessel for that inspiration, okay, it's nice for the moment, but after the chauffeur blast ends, you go back to regular. It's like you were the day before. It's not, you, know, you have to make your own change within to make it last. Anyway. So by working for it, you internalize it. Absolutely. When you work for it, you internalize it, which means when you internalize it, you give it permanence. You give it a lasting power. Anyway, so these are the conditions for the Jewish people to contract to prepare themselves to go to the mikvah, to wash their clothing, to be separated from their spouses, to separate the mountain, put up the fence. So Moshe comes down to the mountain, tells people all of these conditions, and what do the people say? Let's do it! And right away, the people begin to prepare themselves and start washing their clothing, etc. Um, then comes Va'yihi, Vayom Hashem. And the what? have before that, one more. Thing. The Talmud tells us Rabbi Yossi actually argues. With the way I've explained the whole story till now, so in the Talmud, there's a debate what day of the Torah was given. And the way I'm explaining it, which is the opinion of the rabbis, which is that Moshe said today and tomorrow, meaning day number four, day number five, so that on the third day, which is day number six, is when the Torah was given, which is why we celebrate the giving of the Torah on the sixth day of Siva. Rabbi Yosi says that Moshe on his own added an extra day. God said today and tomorrow, Which means that today needs to be like tomorrow. What was tomorrow? A complete day in Judaism is the night before the day. So just like the tomorrow means the night of separation before the day, so to the Hayom has to be a full day of separation and a full day of purity. So therefore, when Moshe told the Jewish people to prepare themselves and sanctify themselves on day number four, that was not a full day of separation and purity. So therefore, Moses said, let me add a day, so it'll be two full days, a hayom and a tomorrow, a today and tomorrow of holiness. So day number five and day number six were days of separation. And then after those three days of separation, then came the giving of the Torah on the seventh day of Siva. Okay. I wanted to put that out there, just to help confuse you. Anyway, so that's the Torah. And there was on the third day in the morning. And there was tremendous thunder and lightning, and the heavy cloud on the mountain. There was a regular darkness. There was a cloud, and a very thick cloud on the very top of the mountain. And then there was a kol shafer chazak a very very strong shofar blast that went on and on and on and on. Didn't get normally a shofar blast gets weaker. Right. This got stronger and stronger. This was, there was no echo to the shofar blast. It was a direct shofar blast. Uh, Yechad called and the entire nation that was in the camp, they all trembled. Very interesting. The Torah does not say that it was on the sixth day of Sivan that the Torah was given. In fact, the Torah doesn't say what day the Torah was given. All the Torah says when the Torah is describing the day of the, the date of the giving of the Torah, what did the Torah say? The third day of preparation of purity. Nowhere does the Torah give a date for the giving of the Torah, and of course, there's a lot of there's a lot to infer from the fact that the Torah doesn't say it was on the sixth day of Sivan, because first of all, not necessarily was the Torah or is the Torah is the giving of the Torah the celebration of was on the sixth day of Sivan. It's on the 50th day of the Omer, so it could be on different days. I don't want to get to that right now. In addition, there's an opinion that it was not on the sixth day of Sivan was on the seventh day. But the real message here is that the giving of the Torah is connected with day number three. I want you to notice this. Torah does not give, not a date of the month, not a date of the week. It gives the third day. Because it happens to technically be the sixth day after they came to the mountain, but the third day after they prepared. So on the third day. But by Torah saying, the Torah was given by Yom HaShlishi on the third day, the Torah is, is making a very important point to us to recognize that Torah, the giving of Torah is about the number three. And this could be a very long conversation, I'll just touch upon it so you can appreciate the significance of the verse. Uh, only when you have number three on the third day, then are you ready and able to receive and internalize the Torah. What's the idea of number three? Well, first of all, the third day of creation was a day when we got trees, plants, life, vegetation. And vegetation, we just lifted the Torah this morning, right? What did we say when we lifted the Torah? It's a tree of life, so those who hold on to it, so it's connected to the trees. But in addition, the idea of the third day of creation is the idea of harmony, of beauty, of blending. The First, when you have one, I'll do this very briefly, but when you have day number one, what does one signify? Exclusivity. Day one signifies... That's all me. There's no diversity here. There's no separation. There's no. There's no diversity. There's nothing. So one is not beauty. One is monolithic. You know, uh, this is what it is. That's not a white wall is one or any color, but it's one. It's not. There's no beauty. Two is the idea of separation. On the second day, God separated the waters above and the waters below. Separation, givura, being being distinct and separated one from the other. The idea of number three is the idea of harmony that comes from diversity. When you're able to have a third entity that brings together number one and number two. That's the idea of harmony. That's why the beauty of the third day where God says Ketov twice, because it brought together the, uh, the, the, the purpose of, ha- of heavens and the purpose of the dry land and the purpose of the oceans with the growing of the trees and the vegetation, etc. The point is, number three is... Harmony and diversity, a unity from, not monolithic unity, like they want today, but but the harmony of diversity, that's the true beauty that comes from different ideas. Hence, on the third day, the Torah was given with great thunder and shofar blowing and lightning, etc. The next verse says, Moshe brought out the nation to greet God from the camp, and they stood at the bottom of the mountain. So, first of all, it's not nice. Why is Moshe bringing up the nation to meet God? God should come to meet us. You know, we should be there and God should come to us. From here, we know the famous fact that the night before the giving of the Torah, what happened? We overslept. We were sloughing. You know what sloughing is? We were sleeping. And God, here we see in verse 16, God appears on the mountain, a great chauffeur and everything. And guess what? We're still in bed. So God starts blasting the shofar and the thunder, the lightning, and the nation starts trembling. Hey, babe, we're late. And Moshe brings out the nation to go greet God on the mountain. That's one, that's a very famous explanation. fact that happened. There's another explanation, another perspective as well, which is by a marriage, who comes to the chuppah first? The, br- the bride or the groom? the groom? The groom. By Jewish law, it's not just a happens to be because we're giving, we're going we're, we're, you know, to have manners and we we'll let the woman go... Uh, by Jewish, she should go first. By Jewish law, the man stands at the chuppah before the woman, because she's coming into his domain. And so therefore, so to hear, God comes to the mountain, and then Moshe leads us, the bride, to greet God. That's what we do by every wedding, like it was by Mount Sinai, where the Jews came to God. We stand at the bottom of the mountain. We discussed this yesterday, where God lifted the mountain over our heads. It was already discussed. The whole entire mountain became uh, full of smoke, and God descended upon the, mo- the, the, the mountain in a huge uh, fire of smoke. The mountain was quaking. And then God spoke. Moshe Yudab and God answered in a voice that, as I said before, had no echo. The voice of God was normally a loud voice, reverberates. It's, you know, here it was a pure voice with no echo, which signifies that the voice of God was, per- was absorbed into the world. What is an echo? An echo is where it reverberates because it wasn't absorbed. So it hits the wall or the cave and it bounces back. The message for us from the fact that God's voice did not have an echo is that God's voice was absorbed into the world, into the physicality. I was willing to discuss how God Himself depended on the mountain. I'll say one more thing, we'll do it tomorrow. The last thing I'll tell you today is that God, before He comes down, He calls Moshe up the mountain. just go back down one more time. And warn the nation not to come close to the mountain. As much as I don't need to. I already warned them. We already put up a fence around them. They already know not to uh, go onto the mountain. So God says, You warn people in advance, but then at the time of the moment, in the heat of the moment, you've got to warn them again to prevent any mistakes. I don't want anything that bad to happen on this very special day. You'll have distinctions at the koan them. in that case, we're still the firstborn sons. They can go up to a certain point, and an arrow can go higher, and you will come inside the actual cloud. To make sure that no one will break the rank and cause anything bad to happen. Moshe goes down the mountain, he warns them, and then tomorrow we'll read the actual Ten Commandments themselves from God.